This week on a lively experiment, what needs to be done to revive the local Republican Party? The new leader of the state GOP has some ideas and a renewed focus on the state budget with declining revenues and a big hole to fill. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by... For 30 years, a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White, Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program. Joining us with their insights, communications consultant Donna Perry, Joe Trillo, former candidate for governor and former state representative, and Pablo Rodriguez, associate professor at the Albert Medical School. And welcome, everybody. I'm Jim Hummel. The numbers certainly are daunting. No congressional seats, no statewide office holders, only 14 of 113 legislative seats, and 10% of Rhode Islanders registered as Republicans. That did not stop four people from wanting to succeed Brandon Bell as chairman of the fledgling state GOP. And in the end, former East Greenwich Town Council President Sue Sienke came out on top. Job one for her, picking up seats in the General Assembly. As I like to say, easier said than done. Joe, I know you left the Republican Party, but you were neck deep in it for years and you've seen it on the ground level. What, you know, there's nowhere to go from up really here. What does she have to do to get traction? She's got to work extremely, extremely hard to begin to move the needle at all. I think Brandon Bell was a good chairman for the party. Uh, I think what happened is they got too involved in the governor's race and they let all of the, the House and Senate races uh, fall by the wayside while they concentrated on the governor's seat. I think that's a mistake. They've got to start to cultivate people now, two years out from the elections, cultivate the people that are in their communities that are high-profile people that have relatively moderate conservative uh, ideas and begin to work with those people to, to encourage them to run and not try to throw it together in the last six months or six weeks before declaration time. Donna? Well, I, I would agree, Joe. I mean, I think that, that there's a lot of elements to that job. Uh, there is the party building and then there is the get get, uh, you know, candidates. But I will say this. I think um, as a formerly involved with the, the state GOP and now I'm a former East Greenwich resident, I think Sue Sienke is a big hit for that party. She if you look at this the past few days, she certainly came out swinging. She came out very strong. I think she's showing she won't be shy. She won't be quiet. And she knows how to find an issue. Uh, and I think the fact that she came right out with this press release about the firefighter bill at the state house, um, she has, yeah, she did some stormy battles with firefighters and their excesses, in my opinion, in East Greenwich. And uh, Joe and I know that was a long um, chronology of, of things. But you know what? In this environment, I think there's an opening for her. Uh, and I think she's seizing on it and seeing you've got to go back to remind, remind Rhode Islanders you're the party for the taxpayer. And a lot of what's going on out there, you know what, they may be your friendly guy in your neighborhood. They're not in your corner when they have these outsized contracts uh, and everything else. And it plays out at the Statehouse. So I, I think she came out very strong. So what do John Chafee, Lincoln Chafee, Ron Makeley, and Claudine Schneider have in common? They were the last Republican federal uh, elected officials. And what do they all have in common? They were all pro-choice. 
the Republican Party has made the, uh, the cultural issues of abortion a litmus test for candidates, for leadership, for everything that goes on in the party. And that is going, well, that has proven, I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, no representatives in, in the federal government, 14 out of 113. And in, in my mind, you know, uh, uh, the, the fight uh, over uh, Sianchi and... Um, Rebecca Schiff. And Rebecca Schiff. Uh, it's, it's evidence of that because the final statement was that we are the party that is going to make abortion illegal in Rhode Island. So this issue is a cultural issue that in, when John Chafee, when Lincoln Chafee, when all these very successful Republicans got elected to statewide office, to federal office, they were just saying the Republican Party was the party of the big tent. It's no longer a big tent. I, I totally disagree with him on that. I think the problem that the Republican Party is having, the demographics in our state has changed significantly. The Democrats are importing poverty into our state and we're exporting wealth by what we do, what the, the General Assembly does on a yearly basis. You, you raise taxes, you let conservatives and moderates leave the state, and that's what's happening. And when you give away more programs, more free stuff, you attract more people that need to take advantage of the system. The demographics have changed so much in the last 10 or 15 years that it's almost going to be impossible for a Republican in a statewide election to get 51%. But you look at going back to Ed Dupree, Lincoln, and, and, and Don Kachiri. I think the biggest mistake Kachiri made was he got elected, had a lot of capital in 2002. In 2004, that was the time to really get the seats and, and to be able to sustain the veto and all those things we talk about. And then he didn't do that and then by 2006, it was his own election, and then it kind of crumbled. And it's really never been the same since. If you look, and you sat in there, Joe, you saw the numbers crumble, and you're, you're kind of preaching to the choir. The problem with the Republicans is, though, you, you have that conservative base, but in Rhode Island, we're shifting further and further left. So I don't, I don't know what you do about that. Yeah, and, and a little bit to what you were saying, Pablo. Uh, I think going forward, you have a new chair. Yeah, again, I think she's going to be, she's strong on, I would recommend you keep it to statewide issues and you keep it to statewide tax issues. I mean, that can resonate. Um, and I think it, to your point, Joe, if, if you're going to then lose, we are losing a lot of people. We all know we have a third of the state is on Medicaid of a state less than a million people. Uh, and we'll talk about that later. You know, th those numbers aren't going to keep adding up. And so if you're going to drive out the middle class homeowner taxpayer, which is also what's happening, um, then you have a problem. And I think that message of getting the state Republican Party back to talking about the state, not always entangling with a lot of federal issues, I, I think is, is something they might have to do. Why, if you're a Republican and somebody comes to you in this state now, Susie Yankee gives you a phone call and you live in Burrowville or Newport, why would you want to run for state rep? As a, as a Republican? Yeah. It's very difficult to convince somebody to run as a Republican that knows what I know now, because we have a Democratic Party that basically represents two parties. We have the progressive Democrats, liberals, and we have the moderate conservative Democrats. So technically, within the Democratic Party, you have two parties. You can become a Democrat and be conservative. Case in point is a guy like Doc Covasi, state representative from North Province. He's a pretty conservative. He'd be a guy. Republican probably in any other state. He could state, be a right? Republican all day long. A lot of the people that are Democrats that I served with in the Assembly could be Republicans. If the state had better representation in the General Assembly, I think you'd see more people want to come over and join the party. But why do you want to join a party that basically is falling apart? You don't.
Okay. Uh, moving on to the budget, uh, we're going to be heading into the, not the home stretch, but the meat of the budget season. Very challenging this year. And you know what, folks? A lot of people are worried the economy is relatively good, unemployment is low, but tax revenues are slipping a bit. We've seen with um, sports gambling not what it should be. Pablo, you know, the governor put together, we've, been, we've talked about this all spring last time you were here. The beach fees went by the wayside. Um, I wonder what, I mean, there's some storm clouds on the horizon here. And how, I have somebody up at the state house who told me this is the worst year they've seen in a long time. The estimates are running pretty, pretty low for this time of the year. And in May, we're supposed to have this reconciling uh, conference that is going to have even worse news for the state. Um, we, as I said last time, we continue to depend <clears throat> on gambling as a main source of revenue for the state. Uh, and when you put your, you know, all your eggs in a basket of gambling, you can lose your shirt. And that has been proven, you know, uh, true. Is that uh, what they call it? Gambling? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they call it, gambling. Exactly. And, and I think that there's a need for a restructure of the state. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and it's not just the state, but the actual cities and towns. I mean, Providence with $1 billion you know, uh, liability, liability for the yeah. for the pension. Uh, this is all coming home to roost. Uh, and at some point, we're going to have to take very, very difficult decisions in terms of our budget, in terms of the cuts that needs to be made in the budget, but also in the our ability to raise revenue. We have to raise more revenue. There's no way that you can do it by just cutting alone. I disagree with him again. We have to raise revenue. I don't think we have to raise revenue. The problem is we spend like drunken sailors. That's what the Democrats do. They spend, spend, spend. We're going to have another windfall of money from the sales tax we're going to collect on Internet sales. And generally speaking, I would say, you know, I don't want to pay more sales tax on Internet sales, but I'd be happy to pay more on Internet sales if I knew the money was going to go someplace other than just feeding the dinosaur. And that's what we do. We feed the dinosaur. This is more money to help the unions get more benefits, to keep the pension system alive. And what the Democrats have allowed to have happen, we're on a collision course, a death spiral where it's going to break at some point. And until it breaks, I don't think it's going to get fixed because nobody's backing down and saying, you know, we got to put people on 401ks and stop promising them we're going to take care of them with full life insurance for the rest of their lives. Not to take her at any Anybody that's in the system, but stop moving forward. And that message of stop moving forward has been out there for the last 10 years. Hang on, Donald. What do you want to say? Yeah, what I want to say is that we need to invest in the right places, okay? Um, education in the state is really in the tank. And until we can get education fixed where, where, where kids can get a job that pays a living wage, uh, we're not going to move anywhere. We have 62,000 people on Medicaid expansion. So imagine if the federal government, all of a sudden, the lawsuit that the Trump administration has completely agreed with, uh, wins in court. We're going to have 62,000 people without insurance the next day. What are we going to do with 62,000 people uninsured? These are the things that sometimes people think, oh, we just cut Medicaid, we just cut this and cut that. Uh, They wind up at the emergency room. That's exactly right. It will pay more in the long run. But, but, you know, Pablo, you have to have a state that when you talk about why doesn't outside business want to come in and invest, the, the three big ticket things people look at, 
what is the public education system, what are local property taxes, and what are taxes on business. And the cost and of doing business, And we're, right? th- that's the cost of doing business. We're not delivering costs. there. Yep. I mean, just this, RIPEC is out with a phenomenal roadmap report, just to your point, that says some very, you know, heavy lifting could go on for K-12 to education. And a lot of it's modeled after Massachusetts. It's, it talks about having a statewide curriculum, and, you know, I won't get in the weeds of it, and it also talks about the fact that you have... In this state, school committees are too involved in the decisions of the school, and it talks about having a more management model. Uh, and all those things matter. And we, we talked earlier this year about the MCAS and the RICAS, you know, those performance scores on those tests. And, and outside investment companies, people come in, they want their kids in a high-rated school system, they want to look at property taxes that are not exorbitant, and they don't want to look at all these taxes on on business. And those are things that are going to not help Rhode Island grow. You know, I mean, you, you can't just say, like you say, it's not just revenue. You If you don't structurally change some of this. Yeah, but one of the big problems with education is we can't fix education until you put discipline back in the classroom. Go talk to some Providence teachers and find out the kids are running the school. The teachers are afraid to criticize. They're afraid mm-hmm. to, uh, to punish a child for being disruptive. The biggest challenge a teacher in Providence and in some of these, these other cities and towns is to get the stuff class under control. If you're trying to teach in that kind of environment, you're not going to be able to learn. You're not going to be able to... That's a cop-out. The entire state is underwater. The comparison with Massachusetts shows that our entire school system is underwater. It's not just Providence. It's not just Providence. It's not just discipline. What what you have is a system where we have so many school committees and so many people steering the pot and trying to get into curriculums that have have no business deciding on curriculum. We have districts in New York, in, in cities right. all over the country that are bigger than the entire state of Rhode Island. And that came that out. are being run by a single but person. That, and by the way, that came out in that report. I, I encourage people to look at that because they did similar economic d- demographic comparisons, by the way. Okay? This was not all oh, far-flung, you know, uh, green, green uh, beautiful suburbs in Massachusetts. They did similar uh, comparisons on on the test scores from urban inner core Boston, and those kids are far far exceeding. And so it can be done. Can be done. The you know, curriculum is only one part of the problem. If you can't teach in a classroom, I don't. You could have the. But I'm saying it can be done. Going. They've managed to get the class. You know, it can be and done. And we've managed right control. here in Rhode Island. Yeah. Go to the Blackstone Valley Prep. Uh, in in, in Central Falls. Go to the Learning Academy in Central Falls. Those kids are performing at the highest level in the state, not just at the highest level of poor people or highest level of Latinos or African-Americans, the highest levels in the state. So there are ways... Yeah, but you're talking about charter schools. Absolutely. Charter schools in Providence are doing well. Well, Why are they doing well? Because if you go into a charter school, the first thing you see is discipline. Do we have some agreement on charter schools here? That's all another show. (laughs) We'll Get, we will, this will be a, a, a topic for continued discussion. You know, it's interesting, though, Joe, uh, we always look to Massachusetts as kind of, oh, the, the yeah. gold standard. Look at what's happened with legalized marijuana up there. And one of the things, so the revenues are off, yeah. and we heard this early on. A guy said, I don't want to have to stand three hours and pay three times as much. I'll just go to my dealer. And and so if, if the state is thinking there's a big cash cow here, mm-hmm. beware of taxing it too much, right? The only cash cow is going to be for the people.
people that grow it and sell it. That's the cash cow. As far as the state, it's I think it's a terrible idea to legalize it. Um, I realize that all our neighbors are doing it, but I think it's going to be a big mistake until we can at least be able to administer a, a test when a when a, a cop stops somebody on a highway, we kind of be able to test for marijuana. We can't do that now. And, oh, and here we are. We got a main, major problem with people fighting opioids. And we're going to bring a new drug in and say, you know what? This is another drug you can have a party with. What's the doctor's point of view? The, my point is that six out of the top 15 states in the country on, on cannabis consumption are in New England. Mm-hmm. It's Vermont. It's New Hampshire. It's Maine. Uh, it will be Connecticut. It's Connecticut. Um, it, it, it's, Does it's that all make of them. It good? In Massachusetts. No. What I'm saying is that we are completely surrounded by states that are consuming marijuana at the highest levels uh, in the country. Uh, so whether we legalize it or not, whether we regularize it or not, the, the consumption in Rhode Island will continue. And at one point, it was the top per capita in the country. Uh, so... The, doing it the right way, where you can, when you can control the, po- the mm-hmm. potency of the of the uh, of the uh, plants that are being grown and the products that are being produced, controlling it for the consumption of children. And there, there's not a blood test, but w- there are training for police officers that can actually detect when somebody is impaired. Well, well, they want to they want to have a highly regulated regulated environment here, and I give them credit. The uh, um, the DBA, you know, they they're really working to have a highly regulated environment. That that is the best you can do. It seems that a lot of the money that's revenue is really was in the medical marijuana program, um, but if to the point for revenue. If you look at the other states, I think the Boston Globe reported two weeks ago, next year, Boston, they, they estimate 75% of sales will be back on the black market. You see, so the, it, it, these shops, it's not necessarily trans. Which not, includes Rhode Island. Yeah, it's not, but I mean, it's and not trans. People so, don't so, go to the. So I, I would agree on one thing. I think it's a mistake to think that, uh, consum- the, that the legalization of marijuana is a panacea yeah, for funding right. and for money. But... I think it's a mistake to think that we can be an isolated island uh, right. where, where none but, of the know, effects the, of the neighboring the other, countries, the other, neighboring states, are going to affect us. The other problem is you can grow it yourself. You know, we got taxes on tobacco, but you really can't grow tobacco yourself. But you can grow marijuana. If I'm a marijuana user, who's going to know if I have two plants in my house? It, it's You're not going to be allowed under house. the new bill. So, so I think we're sending well, it's the wrong... Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not sure the bill Well, the medical marijuana, I, I believe this. There's going to be a lot of curtailing on that self-growing, too. And that's going to be a big change. Who's going to stop them? How are you going to stop people from growing it? You could pass all the laws you want in the world. People it's, it's, don't it's want to break to a grow law. a good one. <laughs> all right. Uh, I wouldn't know. Just quickly, before we get to a few other things, um, stop me if you've heard this pr- uh, proposal before. Uh, the state of Rhode Island is interested to see if anybody wants to come in and use McCoy Stadium. I saw this this week, and I was like, well, you know, we had that opportunity last year. Uh, minor league soccer, double-A baseball. Right. I, Donna, I look at this, and I'm thinking, and We've, Stephen Pryor said it with a, a straight face. Yeah. I, I don't know what the ultimate deal is, because they also got to talk about downtown. That They said in order to, to be usable, they need to spend a lot of money to sure. upgrade it. We had this discussion a year ago. Right? right, and I mean, obviously, when the whole thing fell apart last year, you know, it's been on the table. What, what are you going to do? It, it, you have this huge stadium but it's like what 50 million they estimated to really bring it up 
upgraded to whether you're going to have minor league uh, ball. But I think that ship sailed. You're not going to have well, you're going to have a thousand baseball there, there. I and I don't know sixty-five million it, it, <laughs> to to, to bring it to standard. Eight hundred million over the next yeah. two years just to just to. Fix but the, I don't the know leaks if we have everything. the market for the soccer because they're going, aren't they really, they're ramping that up at, at Gillette. Right, they want to so, build a new soccer stadium. I what do you do with Pawtucket, Joe? You people, the people out here buy everything the contractors tell them we need to spend. $60 million to fix a stadium. You could have I done it for a million, right? I went to that stadium. That stadium is well built. It's poured concrete, yeah. and it's not that old. What would your bid be? Trillo Enterprises. What, depends, how would you fix it? Depends it depends how you're going to modify it. Yes, to bring in a different sport, you're going to have to make some significant moderations. But $60 million, you pull this out of the air and say this is what we're going to spend because you've got a couple of leaks? You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Mr. Construction. All right, let's get to, uh, to be continued also. Uh, let's go to outrageous. Pablo, what do you have this week? Well, my outrage is the uh, Trump administration treatment of the island of Puerto Rico, um, the lies regarding, regarding the hurricane. Uh, the president, um, in tweets and in private meetings with Republican senators and, and congressmen, said that Puerto Rico received $91 billion on, in relief uh, for Hurricane Maria, 3,000 people. And actually, there were two hurricanes, uh, one week apart. Um, the island of Puerto Rico has received only 11 billion dollars. Um, so the number, he pulled it out of the air. Uh, and the island of Puerto Rico is not an island out there in the ocean. It's part of the United States. Everyone in Puerto Rico is a U.S. citizen, and they should not be treated, you know, with, uh, with the level of disdain that this president has shown uh, for U.S. citizens. Okay. Donna, what do you have? My outrage is uh, this week there was the parade of these, uh, you know, affluent parents who are in the college cheating scandal, and they were paraded into you federal court. I, I certainly was not. I'm not in that category. Uh, federal court in Boston. And my outrage is to see the demeanor of, you know, this B-level actress, Lori Laughlin, who's, you know, um, the fact that she was reportedly, when she walked in the courtroom, first of all, outside, her, she's waving at fans and trying to sign autographs. And a couple of kids, though, were protesting, saying, Lori, would you pay my tuition? And so it was a circus atmosphere. She walks in and supposedly go, does something that's very not done. She goes to the prosecutor's table, shakes their hands, and has a big smile. That was reported up there. Um, you know, that just shows that this woman, who I guess is used to getting away with things, you know, just thinks she is going to snake out of this. And I think it's outrageous um, that we're, and we're also at a season when you have in this country tens of millions of people who do not have affluent parents and they don't have influence and they got a high-performing kid and they just found out in April, where did you get in, you know? Where did you not get in? Yeah, but I mean, and people like that are taking the slot for her daughter who, you know, told everyone on YouTube she's just there for the parties, you know, and it's just outrageous. And then her mother goes in there and acts like she just thinks it's, it's, a, it's another, you know, photo op for her. I, I, it's disgraceful. And uh, I hope the judge took note of that. Joe, what do you have? Um, I'm upset with the Democratic Party in Rhode Island because... 
what they're doing is they're allowing people like Ocasio-Cortez to set the standards for where they are. We have enough moderate and conservative Democrats. You need to stand up to these progressive, insane people and and bring <laughs> rein them in and let them understand that they're not going to control this state because once they get total control over that state, the governor's office, the House, mm-hmm. and the Senate, it's all over. You might as well declare this an abandoned state because people are going to leave the state. And the Democratic Party, due to the fact they run the state, get your act together, guys, and stand up for what you believe in. I know they're out there, and they're going along with this nonsense of the Green New Deal, which is totally nuts. I don't have any other word to use for it. And I just think it's a big mistake. You have the leadership position in the state. Be, stay with your moderate and your conservative ideas. Stay in your lane, bro. Right? Stay in your lane and point out the difference between the progressives yeah. who are coming in and eating away at the moderates and the conservative Democrats. All right. We've got a couple of national things uh, to do. The Mueller report uh, still not fully released. And now some people on the team are saying that uh, there was a little bit more in there than the summary that the AG gen- uh, general, Attorney General Barr let out. So we'll go down the line. What do you think about full release? Uh, I think they're on track. In the next week, they're expecting pieces of this to come out. Obviously, this is going to be a huge fight over the, you know, the next few weeks. And, um, and it is now, you're right, it, it, the Mueller team, through the whole process, they were very tight-lipped. There were really no leaks. Um, they, they're, obviously, there's a lot in there, and they're a little angry. That, but the public perception now has been created that, you know, no collusion and and, he, and no obstruction or he runs around the country saying that. So I, I think the public perception is that that's where the report stands. Why um, wouldn't you want to see the whole thing released? You'd want to see as much of it as released as possible, but you don't want to violate the grand jury's confidentiality. You don't want names of people that were just brought into this investigation to be destroyed. As it is, you did a, they did a lot of destruction with it. Mm-hmm. And we knew from day one that there was no collusion with the Trump administration. That's been proven. The Democrats are never going to let this go. They think it's the way to win in the next election mm-hmm. cycle. And they're going to keep pounding on Trump. They can get the report released. Whatever they do, it's never enough. The bottom line is get on with your life, accept the fact whether you like him or not, he's your president, and, and, and he's actually doing a heck of a good job. Just don't listen to him, don't watch him, right. and don't pay attention to his tweets. And you just look you at have a great the, life. Just look at the, the results States. that he's got. I, I happen to have a leaked copy of the redacted report, oh. you know, that, uh, that uh, um, you know, <laughs> Mr. Barr is going There's to There's nothing be. to see. That's right. right. Move That's along. Right. Uh, listen, you know, grand jury testimony can be released with a court order. So this has happened before with Congress. The Starr report was com- released in its entirety. Uh, the, 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 the Congress sees confidential and, um, uh, and classified material every day. So there's no reason why this report cannot go to Congress. The, the only thing, the only thing, the only thing that they did. Everyone is playing a game. Trump is not playing a game. Trump is not playing a game. Come on. 
the, you Trump know, is there's, president. There's, there's He's no, winning the game. There's in no spite of reason the why this should not be released. The American people have said it. The Congress voted unanimously to release the report. So all the people in Congress, including Republicans, uh, are, are wrong for wanting to see this report. Everyone wants to see this report. It should be released. I, I totally disagree with them. No matter what they release, no matter what's in that report, they're going to pick it apart. They're going to zero in on nonsense, going after his tax return, going after bringing more people in. It's a charade that they're playing at the detriment of this entire and country they don't right release now. It, and what's they, going on right now is they don't guys that it, think like you are killing this country. They don't killing release, the country. Oh, come on, Look please. at what he's done if for his family. You have the lowest unemployment in history. Release it. What you will have is more conspiracy it's theories. Nonsense. It's going to have yeah, more that's because politics. They're going to keep doing exactly the what they've been shall doing. Set you free. Is keep not, uh, knocking the him down. I, I predict there'll be limited. I predict there'll be limited release. There will be the release. I don't think Barr ever said they're not going to release it. There'll be a lot of redactions, and they're going to fight about it right to uh, you know November twenty. All right, maybe they can borrow Pablo Sharpie for the uh, for the redactions, <laughs> folks. That is all the time we have. Oh, boy, that's all the time we have. Donna and Joe, I know, Joe, it only seems like we just got here. And, Pablo, thank you for coming. We look forward to having you back. And, folks, we look forward to having you back here next week. It's always lively. as a lively experiment continues. Have a great weekend. A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by. For 30 years, A Lively Experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White, Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program. 